This week's parsha begins with the words, and I'm going to read two different versions. One is the TLV version, which was read earlier, and uh, the other is the JPS translation from back in 1917, uh, back when some of you were children. Uh, the JPS, the English translation says, And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, and I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob by the name of God Almighty, or El Shaddai. But by my name the Lord, or yod heh vav was I not known to them. And the TLV version says it this way, God spoke to, further to Moses and said, I am Adonai. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, yet by my name, Adonai, I made myself known to them. Uh, if you listen to those readings, they sound slightly different. Uh, one says, I have not, uh, or was I, uh, was I not known to them? The other says, um, I made myself known to them. Some Bibles say, I was not known to them. Uh, the reason for that is because the Hebrew there is written more in a question format than in a statement format. And so it really is a question of was I not known to them or was I that name not known to them, which became that name was not known to them as time went on. Now I want you to understand this is not a contradiction no matter how it's said. Uh, because the truth is that God is revealing himself to Moses in a way that he had not revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, he revealed himself as El Shaddai to them. Now, I want you to know that the translation of El Shaddai that I read in um, the, the JPS says God Almighty as their translation, but El Shaddai is not God Almighty. El Shaddai is the the one that is all sufficient or enough. It's, uh, it, it comes from uh, uh, die or dienu, which we say in Pesach, it would have been enough. We sing the song die, die, you know, if it was, if God had only done this, dienu, it's that die, that word that, uh, that means sufficiency. And so he revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the one who is all sufficient and because he's all-sufficient, he's almighty. That's the extension of that. It's the same as we have the Adonai Yireh, the one who sees, which is translated by many people as one who provides. Uh, Kenneth Copeland uh, sang a song years ago. I guess he might still sing it. I don't know. Uh, you know, Jehovah Jireh, which is just really bad Hebrew. Uh, and... He translated my provider, which isn't actually the translation of the, the word. The only, by the way, and this isn't knocking him, please do not. I, I, the song was powerful. And there are a lot of people that are in Messianic congregations today because uh, Kenneth Copeland decided to sing something in Hebrew and somebody said, you know what, those guys were Jews. And he kind of started an, an opening in that way. The only song mistranslated worse in popular uh, Hebraic Christianese songs is Amy Grant's um, uh, El Shaddai. 
Because there's a verse in there where she just made up a word. It, it, it doesn't even exist. On the second verse where it says El Kamkana, that's just a made up word. There's no word El Kamkana in Hebrew. It's just El, it rhymed with the other word and we have a word. So, so, but again, I don't blame or knock Amy Grant because I cannot tell you the number of people who are in Messianic congregations or were introduced to the idea of the Jewish Yeshua because of those couple of songs and songs like them. So I'm not knocking them, but I am saying that when we read the English, we don't always get the Hebrew. Okay? So Adonai Yireh, the one, it's, it's the God who provides, is really the one who sees. And, and what it's saying is that a good father, when he sees a need, provides. That, that part of seeing is doing something about it. That biblically and conceptually, if you see something, your response should not be just to see it, but to do something about what you've seen. Seeing requires action to follow up. And so that's the concept. God sees our need, and because He sees our need, He provides to meet our needs. Okay? And likewise, we should. If you see a need, you should provide. You should do what you can to meet that need. Um, and I should too, by the way, uh, just for the, the clarity's sake. But, but we go down here, it says, yet by my name, uh, Adonai, or yod heh vav -Hey. And listen, the reason I'm saying the letters is because we don't know how to pronounce the name, and anybody who says they know how to pronounce the name is lying to you. Because they don't. They know how to guess best how to pronounce the name. Okay, but they don't know how to pronounce the name. So, uh, but he says, I made myself known to them, and the other ones, was I not known to them? In some Bibles it says, I was not known to them. And all of those are correct translations from that language. But the point he's making is that he revealed more of himself to Moses than he had revealed to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He revealed something to Moses that he had not revealed to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And listen, every person in this room that's filled with the Ruach, that is born again, God has revealed himself to you in a way that he has not revealed himself to someone else in this room. Every one of us has a relationship with God based upon where he found us. And he reveals himself and aspects of his character to us in different ways. I remember when I first became a believer... Um, the, the day that, uh, that I actually gave my life to him, that I actually bowed myself before him, I had came to a church in town here. Uh, it's been that long ago uh, now. It seems, doesn't seem that long in my mind, but in the reality it is uh, almost 40 years ago. And I came to the church uh, not seeking the Lord, or at least not knowingly seeking the Lord. Uh, God had set a plan in motion 
where he invited me to participate in it. And so I was at that congregation because there were about a hundred young ladies at that congregation my age. And that's just the truth. I went, someone invited me to come to their congregation. I went, I looked up in the choir and around the building and there were about a hundred young ladies my age and statistically I had better odds at the church than anywhere else I had been and so I came back to that church. So I had arrived at that church not seeking the Lord but seeking relationship with some of the Lord's people uh, though I was not necessarily requiring they remain the Lord's people to be in relationship with me. And so I was there and uh, I can't explain, there's no explaining the inexplainable, uh, but the presence of God fell around me and I became broken. And it wasn't that the preacher said something, it wasn't that I read a scripture, it wasn't any of those things, God just showed up in my life in a real way in that place. And they had been telling me, people said, you got to repent, you got to be baptized, you got to be filled with the Spirit. It was like a process. Doo, doo, doo. So I repented, I broke, I gave myself to the Lord, and I said, okay, Lord, this is Wednesday, Sunday, I'm going to get baptized. And the reason I was going to get baptized Sunday was not because of any spiritual thing, but I just knew there were more people there on Sunday to see me get baptized. My mindset was not right, even though God was right. And so I said that in my mind, and I said, I'm going to do that. And, and I said, Lord, um, this is my plan. And, and then I just felt convicted, and I said, Lord, if, if, if that man says, if you've never been baptized before, tonight's the night to do it. If he says that, I'll just get up and walk up and get baptized tonight. I was under like real conviction and pressure. And the first time I ever prayed in Yeshua's name, I said in Yeshua's name, of course it was Jesus back then because I didn't speak Hebrew. It was a joke. Just get over it, people, all right? I didn't know any better or different, so I said in Jesus' name. And the minute I said that prayer, the preacher who was visiting, it was his, just a visiting preacher, said, if you've never been baptized before, tonight's the night to do it. And so I stood up and I walked up front and, and stood in front of him, and he looked down, and I can tell by his look that he has no, had absolute zero expectation that anybody was going to respond to his statement. It was just his statement. And so I looked up at him, and he looked down at me and said, can I help you, young man? And I said, yes, I want to be baptized. And he said, well, well, can we do it after service? And I said, no. We cannot do it after service. And, and so I made them immerse me that night, and then I came down from the immersion with my hair freshly blow-dried, because I took the time to, this was in the 80s when we still did the whole, you know, so, and when I had, you know, more. And so, yeah. And it had color. 
So I came down, and the Lord just immersed me in His Spirit. And I was so excited. I was so, you know, I remember those moments of enthusiasm and excitement. And I'm sure that everyone who had a similar experience, when, when you came to the Lord and you realized who He was and what He had done and how much He gave for you and that He loved you and He wanted to fill you and be with you and, and, and you were now a part of Him and He was a part of you and you, were just, and you just wanted to go out and change the world. And that's how I was. Uh, and so I set up my plan to take over the world. And uh, I started praying, Lord, my whole family doesn't know you. And I don't want any of them lost. Uh, we, need to, we need to get them saved. And my mom especially, I, I, I want my mom to be saved. I love my mom. And the Lord spoke to me and said, and listen, when I say the Lord spoke to me, please understand, I felt Him speak to me. I don't know whether He verbally said it. Listen, I've been married 40 years. My wife talks to me all the time. I don't know if she's verbally talking to me. You know, I don't know if it's audible or I just know, okay, shut up and get the food. I understand whether she's talking to me or not. So, but I just felt him say to me, your mom is going to come to faith. She is going to come to faith. She will be saved. And so I heard that, and then I went about trying to accomplish that. You know, Moses in this text, the Lord said, I want you to go and tell your people that I am Adonai. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm go- I've heard their cries, and I'm going to deliver them. And that's kind of how I felt when the Lord redeemed me. Like he was telling me, go and tell, which is exactly what he told all of us. Go and tell. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go tell. But here's the thing. Most of the people I talked to were exactly like the Israelites. You read the text, it said, but they were... Scared in their hearts. They were, they were weakened in their hearts. They were, uh, they were slaves in their hearts. They, they just could not see redemption. They just it didn't matter how accurate Moses was or anointed Moses was or how much of God was with Moses. He went to these people and he said, God wants to deliver you. And they got like, no, I don't believe you. Anybody had that kind of an experience with their family? I sent my, uh, my dad a long letter with every prophecy in the Bible. There's like 300 prophecies in the Bible. I hand wrote, this is pre-computers, folks. I actually had to look in the Bible to find things. Hand wrote him this list of all the prophecies. And it wasn't like I just said Isaiah 9-6. I wrote out Isaiah 9-6. I did, and I sent him this manila envelope about that big with every verse and said, look, he is the Messiah. You're going to hell. And you need to get right. I was very dogmatic. Dave and I would have been friends then. <laughs> and... I was, I just knew 
This is God's Word. God's Word doesn't come back void. This is God's Word. He gave me this. He called me to do this. I'm going to send this letter. My dad is going to realize the error of his ways and immediately fall down on his knees and repent of his sins and realize that he and all the people of Israel have been wrong since 2,000 years ago. It didn't happen that way. He sent me a middle envelope back with a bunch of house plans in it, and he said, if you'll just get out of that mess you're in, I'll build you the house of your choice. To which I replied, that was not the right way to answer my father. But I wasn't always the person standing before you today. We didn't talk for years because of my disrespect of him. Because the truth is, he sent me those house plans because he really thought I was the one who was lost. But listen, just because my family didn't immediately respond to the prophetic words that God had placed in my heart didn't mean I was wrong or that God was wrong or that His Word was wrong. When God sent Moses to the children of Israel, Moses, I can imagine Moses. Just think about it. Moses had this amazing experience with the burning bush. I've never had one of those sober. God spoke to him. He's had this relationship where God just talks to him and they communicate back and forth. God says, I'm sending you to go say these words. And Moses had to be. I'm going there and the Israelites are just going to be amazed at what God is going to do. They're all going to pack their bags and He's going to just let everybody go because God said so. But it doesn't happen that way. And very rarely in my 40 years of sharing the message of Messiah have I gone to a person the very first time and said, hey, you know, Yeshua died for your sins and you should probably repent so you can go and spend eternity with Him and had somebody say, you know what, I've been waiting my whole life to hear those words. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen because I know people who have gone out and shared and immediate results. But most of my people that I've helped lead to the Lord were battles. They were people who rejected me, rejected what I said, kicked me out of their house, slammed the door, swore at me. None of that meant that God didn't send me. It didn't change the message, and it didn't change His promise. 
Moses' response when the children of Israel don't just immediately listen to him. The Lord said, you're going to go to Pharaoh. It's like, look, the the people that you're going to set free don't believe me. Do you really think Pharaoh's going to believe me? And anyhow, I'm a man of uncircumcised lips. Now, that didn't mean Moses wasn't circumcised. He said his lips, it's just like the prophet who said, my, my lips are filthy. It didn't mean his mouth was dirty. He's saying, but I'm not the one to do this. I'm not the one that your covenant is set up through. I'm, I'm, this isn't me. And I felt that way also. Why me, Lord? I can tell you that growing up being a rabbi was not my, you know, in the military they give you the wish list of the places you want to go or the schools you want. Being a rabbi was not on my, anywhere on my wish list. I, I didn't want to be a rabbi. I wanted to be a lawyer. I mean, I still teach the law, but it wasn't wasn't what I was, I wanted, I wanted to be a lawyer. First of all, I wanted to be wealthy. And all the lawyers I knew were reasonably wealthy. I wanted to be in, you know, fighting, arguing. I wanted to bring my case, make my case, and, and, and win. But I didn't want, I didn't want right to enter into the equation. I didn't care if I were right or wrong, I just wanted to win. In other words, I would have no problem back then defending the indefensible if there was a possibility that my argument would have worked. I wanted to argue for the sake of arguing so that I would be right, not so I'd be right. I don't do that anymore today. (laughs) My wife is yelling at the screen right now. (laughs) So is Leah. (laughs) It took years for God to answer those prayers. My mom did become a believer in Yeshua. My father became a believer in Yeshua. My grandparents proclaimed their faith. God answered those prayers. It just took a battle to get there. Now, when you understand that when God spoke those words to my heart, they were already answered. It just took the time for me to travel through the wilderness to get to the answer. And I'm saying all this this morning especially because many of us myself included, look around at our world 
and we feel very much like the Israelites in Egypt, trapped by society, living in a world we don't recognize, subjugated in some ways to people that are the antithesis of what the Bible would have us do. And I know people that have contacted me, especially over the last few weeks, and said, you know, Rabbi, I just don't know if I can continue. I just don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm almost given up. I just, how do we survive? How do I live as a believer in this society? the situation I'm in? How do I do that where I am? And I want to encourage you this morning that God's message is just as true as it ever was. And if He has called you to do something, it's going to come to pass. He's going to bring it about. It may be your family. You may be praying for your family and praying for your family or friends and praying and praying and praying and praying and God had put it on your heart that they were going to come to faith and you've done everything you can to try to convince them that Yeshua is the Messiah. And it feels like it's falling on deaf ears. Don't Give up. It wasn't like when God sent Moses to the people and said, I want you to go tell them that I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I heard their cries, and I'm here to deliver them, that God didn't know they were going to respond the way they did. But God still sent Moses to give him the message. Moses shared the message. The people rejected the message. And things got worse. And God sent Moses back with the same message. Even though things had gotten worse. And he kept sending them back with the same message, even though things continued to get worse. I want you to understand, if the Bible's accurate, and I believe it is, it's going to get worse. But it doesn't change God's message. And it doesn't change God's calling on your life. And it doesn't change God's promises to you. And it doesn't change the end of the book in which God said, I will have a people who will love and serve me. It amazes me how many of my friends, I got seven minutes, I'm doing good. It's amazing how many of my friends who reject the Torah but love Revelation, 
miss all the parts about the believers in Revelations are the ones that are following the Torah. Be encouraged. This isn't the time to get wondering if God's still there. Everything you're seeing is proof that God's true. If we weren't seeing it, we'd have to say God was a liar. If prophecy wasn't being fulfilled as told, we would have to question whether God was true. But he's going to have a people called by his name that are going to walk and talk in authority. The really cool thing about Moses, and I think it'll be the cool thing about us if we get a grasp on this, is Moses never becomes a wimp. A wimp. Can I use that word? There you go. I just want to help Marty out. I don't want to embarrass her by saying anything, though. Sometimes I talk too soft. Moses doesn't, like his, his testimony doesn't get weaker as it goes, even though it didn't come out the way he wanted it. I prayed for people that got healed. Pamey and I and a group of us right up the road, I think it's called Bayside now, it used to be called Magnolia, I think, uh, uh, rehab center. Prayed for a quadriplegic, got up out of the wheelchair, ran through the place. We got thrown out because we unbuckled the lady from her chair so that she could run around the place. It wasn't like, whoa, this is so cool. Someone who couldn't walk or move her arms is running through our place. This is exciting. It's like, wait a minute, guys. You guys unbuckled from our chair, and, and you put us in a horrible liability fix here, and, and you're not going to be allowed to be here anymore. true. We've seen amazing miracles. Well, Rabbi, you didn't have the faith. I have the exact same faith. If I don't have the faith to pray for somebody, I just don't pray for them. I won't put on. If I pray for you, it's because I believe what I'm praying. I believe in the God I'm praying. I believe in His promises. If you come to me and say, Rabbi, I need you to pray for me, and I'm not prayed up, and I'm not ready, I'm going to send you away. Or I'm going to say, come back in an hour after I've prayed, when I'm not mad at my wife anymore. But if I pray for you, it's because I believe. And I've seen God work miraculously. I've seen God provide physical healings. I've seen Him restore families. I've seen Him provide financial blessings. I've seen God do amazing things. And I've prayed for two situations that were exactly the same. And one, God answered the way I prayed. And another one, it didn't seem like anything happened. I prayed for other people who got healed. I prayed for myself when I had shingles and I was in misery. I mean, not the state. I felt bad. I was like, I need drugs. Friends in Israel prayed for me. I got healed. Why didn't I get healed when I prayed for me? I have no clue. 
but it doesn't change my message or my faith. Because I'm not in charge of God's decisions. I prayed for my mom for years and years and years, and she rejected and rejected and rejected. And I just kept praying and kept sharing and kept talking to her, kept working, kept on it, kept on it. I never diminished my belief that she would be redeemed. No matter how many times I was rebuffed, sent away, discouraged, disassociated. Moses never changed his message because God never changed his promise. Our world's a mess, but that's not a surprise to God. He said it would be. The world is walking as quickly as it can away from God. That shouldn't be a surprise to us. He said that was going to happen. But He also sent us into the world to be light to the world and to share the message. Go and speak to every creature. That's our message. And the promise is that He would save those who came to Him and repented. And He will. Don't get discouraged. Because the message you received didn't turn out the way you thought it would the first time. God will always, always, 100% of the time, do exactly what He said He would do. Let's all stand. God is still El Shaddai. He's still the all-sufficient one. He hasn't run out. His bank account isn't short. Supplies don't cost him more. He's still got everything all the time. He's still Adonai He still sees, and because he sees, he provides. He's still Adonai Shalom. He still gives us peace in the middle of a storm. And listen, you can't have peace in the middle of a storm unless you're in a storm. He's given us a battle cry. And He's given us the weapons of our warfare. I posted this morning a post from a couple of years ago. So it doesn't matter how good your weapons are if you never get in the battle. It doesn't matter how good your equipment is if you never step out and fight. It makes no difference. And it doesn't matter how powerful your message is if you never share it. It won't be heard. Don't be discouraged. It's going to get worse. I've heard people say it's going to get worse before it gets better. It ain't getting better. It's just getting worse. This world's going to be destroyed. God's making a new one. This one's getting worse. It ain't getting better.
If it appears to be getting better, it's because you're switching teams. But the message is sure and strong, and he is still able to save that which was lost. And if he has given you a promise, he is going to bring it forth. Just hold on. It's coming. Abba, this morning I ask that your Ruach, that your spirit would just encourage your people. Father, that there will be a radiance, a light that shines in their hearts and their minds, a word of encouragement. Father, no matter what's going on around them, let them enter that true shalom, shalom, that perfect peace. Father, let them re-grab hold of that banner of your name. Father, rekindle that faith and that hope, that excitement, that first love. Father, once again, reignite within us that feeling that we had when we first became a believer. And we were just so excited we were going to go change the world. And Father, help us to remember that excitement and enthusiasm to share your word. To share it as we did before the first time we heard no. Father, build up within us that most holy faith, that conviction to hold strong, to share strong, to be strong, to trust you 100% in all things. Father, help us to leave this building today with a new enthusiasm and excitement, knowing that no matter what the enemy throws at your kingdom, we win. Father, lives are still being changed. Souls are still coming to you. People are being healed and strengthened. Families are being restored and, and, and renewed. Marriages are being restored. People are being blessed. Provisions are being poured out. Father, help us to get our minds and our eyes off of the trees so that we can see all of your forest. In Yeshua's name. Give you peace. You 
Before I close with the ironic benediction, I wanted to remind the ladies, please meet directly after this prayer in the back, those of you that can with Catherine. And also, don't forget to look at the paint colors and help us to make that decision, uh, or at least help us to ignore you as we make that decision. Amen. And pray for Pammy. She's got her voice back, but she's... Um, runny nose and cough and stuff like that. I don't like that. She doesn't like that. I guess it's probably more important to say she doesn't like being sick than I don't like her being sick, but sounds a little selfish. Yevarech Veishmarecha Yair Adonai Panave Lecha Vichunecha Yisadonai Panave Lecha Veyasem Lecha Shalom Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. B'shem Yeshua Meshachinu Sar Shalom. In the name of Yeshua, Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Amen.